Are you underutilizing one of the most powerful restaurant marketing tools on the planet? What do 92 million monthly Yelp searchers see when they land on your page? Is your content accurate and attention grabbing? Are you using every conversion tool possible to set yourself apart? Yelp is here to help. Go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash profile to sign up for a one-on-one with a specialist that will review your Yelp page and share tips to help you stand out. Again, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash profile to supercharge your Yelp page today. Now here we go. There was probably over 300 people on the phone just wanting to know, like, what do we do next? And so we started to mobilize from there. And from there, we created the Independent Hospitality Coalition here in Los Angeles. And we have a core group of members that just are on the phone making sure that we keep this voice loud in the city. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the hospitality industry. Featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators. Served up on the house. Hey, it's Josh. I'm starting a new case study group this month, and I'm looking for a few specific people. So, if you're a restaurant owner or operator that's currently doing $50,000 per month in sales, have the desire and the bandwidth to increase your sales by 10 to 20%, and have two to three hours per week to work on these strategies, I would love to help you scale up by Christmas. Go to restaurantcasestudy.com and sign up to learn more. Again, that's restaurantcasestudy.com. In this moment, we're not just rebuilding our businesses, we're rebuilding our industry. What would you change if you had the chance? For Dina Sampson, change comes in the form of increased visibility. She's working to raise the voices of entrepreneurial women within our industry. She's also out front, ensuring that the policymakers that directly affect our restaurants understand our priorities and our needs. In today's conversation, we talk about her advocacy work and how she manages to juggle it alongside being both a restaurateur and a parent. I actually had been in finance for over 14 years. San Francisco, New York. I then moved here to Los Angeles to produce a Wall Street-based video game. (laughs) The company went out of business and then Steve, my boyfriend at the time, basically asked me to help him open his own restaurant. And so I used my skill set in the finance world to help him find investors, raise money and build the restaurant. And then I became the GM and then I got hooked. I was hooked. And that was it. I haven't left. (laughs) Let's talk about that, because I think that there's something really relevant to your past, which relates directly to so many people's present, which is starting over, starting from scratch, going in an entirely new direction. I think that that pliability requires courage and the strength to persevere. Where did that come from? And is that a skill you acquired over time? Yeah, no, that's a great question. You know, it's funny. I know it takes courage. And I guess I always think to myself, I just like to stay open. I like to stay open to all ideas, all opportunities. It's funny. At Rosa Blue, I always say, let's just take the meeting, take the meeting. It's like, even if it sounds like something we're not interested in, let's take the meeting because you never know. You'll learn, you'll find out something that we don't already know. And so I've always taken that approach. So I don't know if it's 
courage. I mean, courage is part of it because you have to take that leap. But it's really just about a mindset, I think, and just about staying open to anything, all the possibilities, all the potential. And there's also a diligence involved. Yeah, I mean, if we were to run through all of the roles, forgetting all the roles you've had outside the industry, (laughs) all the roles that you've held within a singular restaurant location, it's many. And I'm sure you weren't great at all of them to start, but you're acquiring skills and improving along the way. How did you maintain that level of enthusiasm, especially in such a public facing position? Because you have to inspire yourself and then your team and then the guests, right? Right, right. Well, I think that's what inspired me, honestly, or who inspired me. Really, it is the team and the guests, because I knew I had to be that face of leadership for them or that face of mentoring or support. I mean, all of it. So really, they inspired me. And that's really what got me interested in the industry after I started is, wow, I can talk to so many different people from all walks of life. And I can make all these connections with people. And that is super interesting to me. You think about where I was in finance before, I was at a desk in front of my computer all the time. I never left my desk. I was in front of it. The only person I spoke to was maybe an office mate that shared it with me, maybe some clients, but really there was no real connection there. So I love this connection and I love being able to help people. And this is the perfect industry for that. When I looked you up on LinkedIn, your titles include CFO and CMO, Chief Financial Officer, Chief Marketing Officer. And I'd argue that a basic understanding of finances and the levers that move a business from struggling into profitability, as well as the development and the execution of a marketing plan, are probably the two biggest hurdles for most operators in the industry. And those are the hats that you chose to take responsibility for. Yes, you know, exactly. You've got it right. I mean, I took the two things that I knew I could do best, my finance background, obviously. I mean, the great thing about being partners with Stephen Hans is we all have our different roles. We're all very good at certain things. Obviously, Steve, culinary, creative, leadership, Hans, culture, also the leadership, mentorship, the hospitality end of it. And then it's like, I don't want to do those pieces. <laughs> what I want to focus is on is the numbers and profitability and growing the business. And then also marketing, getting our message out there. I was so interested in the marketing part, to be honest. Like I didn't know anything about it when I started. I didn't want to hire PR. I didn't understand why we had to pay money for this. So I actually did an internship with our PR firm at the time just to learn. I said, no, you don't have to pay me. I will help you. I just need to learn how this works, why. And after that, I really understood it. And from there, it's like, I always want some kind of PR or marketing support because I see it does help spread the story of what we want to tell. And it seems so widely overlooked within the industry because it's something you don't feel like you have the time or the money for, right? Right. Well, you don't. You don't have the time or the money. And that's why I went and did the internship because I wanted to know. And I thought to myself, okay, if someday I can't pay for this, I'll know how to do it myself. And I think it ends up working out like during COVID, we didn't have time to, well, we're still in COVID, but you know what I mean? During the kind of heart of it, we didn't have time to pay. We didn't have the money to pay our PR, our marketing people. So we had to do it on our own. And luckily I had that experience to do so. 
Let's talk about your approach to finances, because in coming up in the industry, I spent 20 plus years in it. And what you hear time and time again is the hospitality industry, the restaurant industry, it's different from every other industry. Our finances work differently, so on and so forth. They can't be run like a traditional business. Have you found that to be true? Do you run it like a traditional business? Well, let me tell you a couple things. One, when we first opened Rosa Blue, I said, I don't like this tip model situation anymore. I think we should try to run it like a real business, focus compensation on merit, seniority, performance. So we tried that for the first two years of Rosa Blue. And it worked. It worked out for a while. But you know, we realized you had to hire really younger people, more inexperienced that weren't used to that big tip pool. So that it makes it harder. It makes it a lot harder because you have to train an experienced team. And then we just realized, you know what, we're fighting against ourselves here. Maybe we should just go back, wait till some law passes and go from there. So we did go back to the tip model. But the great thing about it is we did come up with a way to monitor finances on a weekly basis. So we actually have a weekly scorecard. We have targets that we need to hit every week. We have people in the restaurant who are responsible for each of those targets. And that way we're able to move very quickly if something is off. So, you know, waiting for a monthly financial, it's too late. Everything's already passed. You can't clean that month up. And so we actually do it every week, which is amazing. It's really great. Are there tools, specific tools you use for that? No, we just use Excel. We look at all our covers. We have sales. I mean, we just use Toast. We use OpenTable. We use a lot of Excel charts and graphs. And we look at all our reviews every week and we change things quickly if something a dish is off or if service is off. We do a lot of coaching in at Rosa Blue. We like to say we coach first before we discipline. And that's Hans. That's all Hans. He came up with that and it's been genius. Talk to me about your work with the IHC. Yes. Okay. So basically what happened, everyone was hearing about how we were going to close. Sunday's the closure day. So what ended up happening was everyone, all us restaurant owners were kind of emailing each other, texting each other. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And so we ended up finding there were probably three big groups across Los Angeles that were all talking. And basically what we all did, there was a group of us, nine of us of the Independent Hospitality Coalition. We reached out to the other groups and said, listen, let's all do this together. This will be the first time where all of us can actually talk and have a voice here with, you know, the city and the county. And so we all met on a, well, half on a conference call because some people didn't want to get together because of COVID and then some actually in a room. And, oh God, there was probably over 300 people on the phone just wanting to know, like, what do we do next? What's going to happen? And so we started to mobilize from there. And from there, we created the Independent Hospitality Coalition here in Los Angeles. And ever since that first call, we've been on the phone once to twice a week, every week since then. So since March 2020. And we have a core group of members that just are on the phone making sure that we keep this voice loud in the city. And it's great. We finally now have like direct access to the health department, direct access to um, the board of supervisors, to several council members. We even did a lot of push during the national, you know, the PPP acts, and then also the restaurant revitalization fund. And we worked in tandem with the IRC whenever they needed 
something done locally and regionally, we would then hold those webinars and contact all our members, of which we have over a thousand now. What are you guys talking about on those weekly calls today? Yeah, I would say for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the vaccine mandate. And is it something that we should support here in Los Angeles? And if so, how can we do that? We took a survey of our members to ask them, do you support this mandate? And a big majority of them did, but also a large majority of them were concerned with how do we enforce that? How do we as restaurant owners enforce that? So right now we're currently talking about that and we're going to put out a press release with our statement and how we're going to do it. And then also we're going to keep in close contact with the board of supervisors on how they can help us enforce it so that we don't have to be the bad guy during this enforcement if they do pass it. It's an incredibly difficult position to be in because we're not security guards. We're just trying to serve food, create experience, build community. Exactly. And none of us are really in a position to enforce anything. Or I was talking with Christy Vega about this from Casa Vega recently. And, you know, they have a full-time security guard there that they're absorbing the expense of to deal with these issues as they come up. And Lord knows none of us can really afford additional expenses at this stage in the game. No, I know. Exactly. Hopefully they will listen to us. I think we've been able to influence a lot of things. I would say definitely in the last nine months, we've gotten closer and closer to them, which is great because now Los Angeles, independent restaurants, we seem like we finally have a voice and we're getting that seat at the table that we need. The other thing that we're working on, which is amazing, is we're trying to get Alfresco permanent here in Los Angeles. That's a big thing that we're obviously trying to support and get installed here in Los Angeles. Another question that I had, because I'm sure the IHC has tons of goals, but what about trying to make it easier to do business in the city of Los Angeles? Yes, absolutely. I'm so glad you asked. This is one of our things. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) So, you know, the great thing about the coalition is it's not just restaurant owners, although there are a lot of us. Really on our board, there's us. We have a designer slash expediter, um, Fast Eddie. I don't know if you know Fast Eddie, but he's our vice president and he's amazing. He is just going in and challenging all of this stuff and trying to make it easier for restaurants to either reopen or to get new spaces and reopen those quickly so that we can get the restaurant industry back and booming here in Los Angeles. We have a PR person. We have a digital marketing person on the board. We have safety training on the board. We have a recruiter on the board. So we cover all facets of the industry in hopes that we can make those changes across the board to help independent restaurants here in Los Angeles. And now we have you, uh, you know, <laughs> vice president chapter of LA chapter of the CRA. You can help us too. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Absolutely. I actually become the president September 1st. Oh, you did? Oh, okay, good. Congratulations. So, well, thank you. Okay. I'm excited to participate to the best of my ability. Great. One of the other things I wanted to talk about is, and I've experienced it myself through the show and through these other initiatives, but I would assume that being on the IHC was probably the first time in your professional life within the industry that you had ever spent that much time with other owners and operators. And I'm curious to know, were there aha moments? Was there anything that was revelatory about the experience? 
Oh my God. It's such a great question. Yes. Yes. I have found my calling. Like I had no idea I had this activism inside of me until the IHC and regarding her. Now all of a sudden it's like all I want to do. It's like, I just want to focus on these things to improve our industry, our community, uplift women. I mean, all of it, you know, and it's funny because Stephen Hans are like, ah, don't forget about us. We have restaurants (laughs) to run here, you know? So it's been interesting to try to juggle all of that, right? Kind of the activism and the community work. Although at Russell Blue, we have always done community work. It's just now all of a sudden we're really focusing on it. And, you know, during this time, right, the last 18 months, I mean, everyone has done a lot of focus on community work, but we really want it to be something we permanently do more so than we were doing before. But you're married with twins running multiple businesses, actively participating in this independent coalition in the midst of a global pandemic. And I'm curious to know about the moment that you looked in the mirror and you said, I need a new project. And (laughs) and you decided to start regarding her. How did that project originate? Yeah, regarding her is amazing. So basically, although we started regarding her in November of last year, I would say that it actually began like its origin was way back when the very first event that we have, you know, we're trying to get women in the industry to kind of come together already. So Lynn Ta of All Day Baby, she had held an event at her restaurant in March of 2019. And that was kind of like the first event that kind of gathered a bunch of women together, talking about all the issues that we're currently facing, just supporting each other. Then I did one in July. Then we did another one in November of 2019. So I think we already had that foundation. Now it was just a matter of, okay, now what are we going to do about it? Like, what are we going to do about this pandemic? And how are we going to get through this? And how are we going to support each other? And that's when the idea of 10 Days Regarding Her came up, this festival, virtual food festival that we did in January of this year. We basically said, okay, listen, we want to drive business and awareness and marketing to our businesses as women. And then we want to raise money. Like, I don't know where that came from. Actually, I do know Lynn Toss said it. Let's raise money and like give grants to other women restaurant owners that really need it. And I thought she was crazy, honestly. But then as we went out and started to find corporate sponsors, I mean, there was a real want and need for it. And so we were able to do that in a very quick pace. And so happily, We did secure what we set out to do, which was have the festival. We estimated about $300,000 in sales with all the restaurants that participated during that time. And then we have over a thousand members now. And then we were over able to give $150,000 in grants to 15 women that really needed at this time. So we've set up to all our goals and we're very excited about it. We're looking to grow regarding her and we think it's going to happen. For those of us that aren't female restaurateurs, can you offer visibility into the struggles that are unique to women working within the industry and trying to open their own restaurants? Sure, sure. I mean, there are resources for raising money and things like that, but it's mostly a male-dominated game, for sure. I mean, you know, there are statistics that show this across the board, that it is very male dominated. I mean, even I will tell you, we had one of our grant members, actually a few of them trying to raise money, trying to sign a lease, but 
men were not taking them seriously because they were women on their own, no man behind them to help them do this. And, you know, that's the kind of stigma that we're just trying to eliminate, right? We can do this. We're successful on our own. We don't necessarily need, well, we don't need men to do it. It's nice to have them along. I mean, listen, I have two of them and they're amazing, right? But, you know, we can do it on our own. And so that was kind of where this all came from. The other thing is there's really no educational resources or mentorship because it is mostly male dominated. And so we want to try and offer that. Say someone like me who has a finance background, I'm willing to share my finance knowledge. We have like Joy Limonon, she offered her services as a PR person pro bono. We have Gay Harwin as a lawyer pro bono. A lot of women just wanting to just help other women because they don't know where to go. Honestly, they don't. It's crazy. Like even our 15 grantees, they're asking us simple questions like, should I use an accountant? It's like, oh, wow, you don't use an accountant? Yes, you need an accountant because they don't know where to go. And so we're kind of hoping to create that resource for them. Do you guys have goals set up for the next 12 months, 24 months? Where would you like to see this land? Yeah. So basically during Regarding Her, we have friends across the country, other women-owned restaurant owners, and they basically, a lot of them have reached out to us and said, how do we do this in our city? So that is really one of our big goals is to do it nationally, to include other cities that are interested. We already have three cities, actually, that have actually four that have reached out to us. And so we're talking to them right now about how to launch in their city. Because we have the experience of having done regarding her here, we're creating like templates that can just basically, you know, where you can kind of plug and play into each city. And so that's really one of our main goals. The second is to continue the grant program and then also to add an accelerator program with that, because that's what we're learning from this program is that they need those kind of resources and mentoring and coaching. And then always to have 10 days regarding her. I mean, we loved it so much, the collaborations, the creativity, the driving awareness to our businesses, and to really find those smaller mom and pop shops that don't get that much PR or press awareness. We want to kind of uplift them and show like, listen, you can go to like, uh, there's this one place in Santa Monica, a little cafe that opened during the pandemic. We wanted to kind of help drive business to her restaurant because she was new to the game. She didn't know how to do it. She had just opened, she had no resources. And now regarding her just supports her completely and kind of gets the attention on her. I mean, those shops like that, we really want to focus on. Yeah, I think everyone, especially in our industry, aspires to contribute to their community and their industry in a way that's meaningful. But the other side of that coin is like, who has the time? Yeah. I'm so curious to know, like, how do you find the time to do so much? Yeah, I block off my calendar for certain things. So for a Monday, like the whole day is basically blocked off for me to just catch up from the weekend. I block my Fridays for regarding her work. I block my Tuesdays and Thursdays for other work that I'm doing for the community. And then the rest of the time I spend on Rosa Blue and Super Fine. I spend my weekends at night after the kids go to bed. I mean, it's never ending for sure. Is there balance? Do you feel like you live a balanced life? No, I do not. I do not. I do not. I am looking for balance for sure. But you know, there's so much to do. 
honestly, I find balance in the community work I do. I feel like it's, it really helps me feel good about myself and about the work that I'm doing. But I do think something has to give. I really do have to try to find some time to work out and I eat well, that's fine. But you know, to work out, I definitely need to add that into my life. Who do you look up to in the industry? Who inspires you? Oh my gosh. Well, I love Mary Sue Milliken. She's my OG. I mean, she's been in this over 40 years. She's a co-founder of Regarding Her with us. She's actually the one who reached out to me during the beginning and said, listen, let's get a group of women together. How about that group of women that you got together? Let's get them together and all start talking about what we can do. And so I just love her. I mean, everything about her, her experience, I've learned so much from her. I call her when I I need advice. She knows so many people. Her network is so vast. We get a lot done because of her. I love Lynn Ta of All Day Baby. Her ability to give a voice and brand to regarding her is really inspiring. It's something I could never do. And I would be lost without her. And then all my members, Bricia, I mean, what she, Bricia Lopez, Galagetza, what she's been able to do with her family's business, her own following, just amazing. Sylvie Gabriel of Love and Salt. I mean, she and I are like best buddies. Like we are connected at the hip now with regarding her really taking the charge on expanding this national LA, expanding regarding her nationally, but all women. I love all my women. <laughs> You've got a son and a daughter, and I'm curious to know, would you hope for them to join us in the industry? You know, they really want to join the industry. They really are very interested in it. They see the work that we do. They see the people that we meet and we know. I mean, they really are interested and I would fully support it. I just would want them to do it the right way, the like the way we've done it. And like Steve, for instance, he wants Luca, if Luca's going to become a chef, he wants Luca to do it the right way, right? Not that Steve didn't, but he wants him to make sure he stodges in all the great places that maybe he doesn't go to school, culinary school, because it's a lot of money. And the experience is actually better than actually going to school sometimes. So we have some thoughts. If they do insist, we will make it happen the right way. It's an industry podcast. And at the end of every episode, I like to give the guests an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. Do you have advice or words of encouragement you'd like to offer? Oh, wow. Yes. I would just say thanks to everyone for all their support during this time. I mean, we just had such great support for Rosa Blue and Superfine for regarding her for the IHC during this time. And I would just say, listen, to just continue that support. We still need it. There are a lot of us that are still struggling out there. And the more that you can support our restaurants, the better for our communities. That's Nina Sampson. For more on Dina and all of her projects, go to dinasampson.com. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, or check out our other content, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.